of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan. As always, you've reached the podcast where we talk comic books and we talk animation. Thanks for joining us once again. Welcome to episode 107. Anyone new to the show, I go over the rules briefly. And then we get right down to the nitty-gritty rule number one, comics, animation. That's what we talk about. Very simple. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books. DC Comics presents Marvel Team-Up, Brave and the Bold. So this is a team-up podcast every week. It's me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Third and most important, we got to have fun. All right, before we get into it, I'm going to bring my guest out. No Without any further ado, no reason to keep him waiting. He's a frequent recurring guest. He's also a uh, editor and the host of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Welcome back, the one, the only, Michael Crockett. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good, buddy. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It's been uh, been a little bit, I think, right? It's been a while. You uh, When I did my anniversary countdown... You and another guest were uh, were one of my top five most downloaded episodes, so I brought you back. That was last April, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you can't mention Keith Langston? Is, is, <laughs> he's been silenced? What's going on? <laughs> he's been stricken from the record. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Never to be heard from again. He's, he's your most popular guest, apparently. <laughs> well, he was my, uh, he, he was on the most popular episode of 2022 and he's the second most popular episode of all time still holds that record currently wow so maybe maybe he'll be able to crawl in the number one spot who knows well we'll see after this episode i mean come on you can't get much better than this well anyone who's uh unfamiliar with uh michael and i every time uh, michael's on the show we take a look at one of the cartoons that is ranked in some of the worst superhero animation of all time. The worst and the weirdest, I think we like to say. We first did uh, Fred and Barney meet the thing. Was that? Is, was that, was that? <laughs> yes, that's that's the one. <laughs> uh, then we did uh, one of the '60s uh, Marvel superheroes cartoons, Captain America, which was uh, it's pretty much glorified 2D. It's not barely even animation. Yeah, yeah, my goodness. And then last time, uh, you took some umbrage with me that I was trying to pull a fast one, but uh, we talked the pilot for the 80s X-Men cartoon, Pride of the X-Men. You said I was trying to slip that under the radar. You didn't believe me that that was on some top 10 worth. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's, it, 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 It was all right. I mean, there was some very weird stuff about it, but I think, um, the episode we might watch today would um, put that one to shame in terms of being worse. <laughs> well, uh, this is a kind of a very under the radar, very, I don't think even a lot of people know this even existed, but we are going back to the 90s for Ultra Force. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I, it's not something I was aware of, not even aware of, of the comic, let alone the cartoon. But before we go, since you were last on, we've added a feature. Trivia! Oh, boy. You hear that familiar music? Trivia started where uh, my, uh, my good buddy, uh, our good buddy, Julian Starr, was on. And uh, it was kind of a holdover from my old podcast where we did trivia. Yes. And uh, I had so much fun doing it with Julian. Uh, I brought it back for the two-year anniversary episode, and I've just been doing it ever since. All right, so what do you got for me? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm an Ultra Force expert, so <laughs> I tried to keep it, and some of the past guests might say unfair, but I tried to keep it not too hard because I know you're not a huge uh, knowledgeable on the Ultra Force. But here we go. 
back in 1995, Ultra Force did a company crossover comic with what other famous superhero team? Now, uh, I I didn't do extensive research, but I did peek around a little bit on the interwebs to familiarize myself with the Ultra Force. So I did see that it was the Ultra Force and the Avengers. Ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a bit of a cheat, but... Uh, <laughs> well, you know. You, you got it. <laughs> I didn't Ultra look it Force. up right now. I looked it up when I watched the episode <laughs> a while ago. Before we get into the cartoon, which is... Uh, it wasn't on every list, but I found it on a lot of lists of worst superhero cartoons of all time. We're going to talk the comic book. We're going back to the 90s now. I don't know. All you loyal fans who may be younger, or you, Michael. Remember, the 90s were a weird up-and-down boom period of comic books. Oh, yeah. I think that was like, I was coming to the end of my uh, collecting days um, in the 90s. But, yeah, it was it was popping with uh, Todd McFarlane and such. So, uh, it was so popular that other companies were popping up left and right, dipping into the pot of comic book success, the boom of the 90s, Image Comics, CrossGen, Valiant. Broadway, just to name a few. And uh, we got from Malibu Comics, Ultra Force. First came out in 1994. Malibu down the road would end up being bought by Marvel, but they started off as their own thing. Uh, They also produced the original Men in Black comic books as well. All right. So Ultra Force was basically their version of the Avengers where they took existing heroes and brought them together to form a super team. And called Ultra Force because in this universe they called they didn't call them superheroes or mutants or metahumans they called them ultras. Now you know they didn't create the characters the series created by the late great George Perez, and unfortunately Gerard Jones, who the one and only time I'm going to mention his name on this podcast. Why is that? Well, he has a sordid past. He oh. was just I'm not going to get into all the details, but he was just recently released from prison. Oh. Serving uh, almost an entire six-year sentence. So I don't want to give him any more <laughs> notoriety or anything. If you know anything about Gerard Jones, you know why I don't want to talk about him. But they created it, and the first issue came out in 1994. First run ran for 11 issues. Then they restarted it when Marvel bought them, ran in 1997 for another... Uh, 16 issues, and then they did a little bit more incorporating them into the uh, Marvel Universe, where I believe Black Knight became the leader of the team at one point in time. Oh. Now, and they had all the typical, if you look at them, if you're unfamiliar, look at a picture, they have all the tropes of 90s comics, you know, over the top, big muscular, very, you could tell that, that you just look at them and you could tell 90s. Well, that's a, that's a George Perez staple, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Uh, I mean, he didn't create the characters. He did the comic, but uh, right. we're, we're going to go over all that. Now, even though Marvel still owns Malibu, uh, they, uh, they haven't done anything with these characters in quite some time. Joe Casada claims that it has nothing to do with the fact that due to the original Malibu contracts, it would be very intricate and they'd have to pay more because they were creator-owned. So they would have to pay more than they would their normal Marvel books because of the fact that they're still tied up in the original contracts where, you know, they'd have to pay them for creator rights, which Joe Casada claims that's not the reason that we haven't seen these characters in like 20 years. That's very interesting because, yeah, the fact that the people that created them actually have ownership, that's, that's definitely unique in terms of, um, you know, in terms of the comic world. Now... If you remember the 90s, uh, superhero animation was a huge deal. Obviously, Batman the Animated Series made it popular again, but then we would get Spider-Man, we would get um, the Superman cartoon, we got the Fantastic Four, and we got the X-Men, which was extremely popular. So then that that got into a lot of people's heads. They wanted their own superhero team. Wildcats, for example, got their own animated series. Yeah, I, I bet we'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> yeah, that is also on the list. So at some point, <laughs> we'll be talking about that as well. So someone got into their head that Ultra Force would make a good cartoon. I got to say, I, I questioned the logic a little bit of this. Like, 
they weren't like, they were selling fine. Everything was selling fine in the 90s, but I, I don't think there was a lot of people clamoring for an Ultra Force cartoon. Uh, no, yeah, no, it wasn't a thing. 30 years later or whatever it is, I, like I said, I had no idea that it was even around. What, what station was this on? This ran on the USA network. Oh, they only had 13 episodes. I'm with you. I, at the time I was reading comics, I knew of Ultra Force. I had some of their comics. I didn't even know this cartoon existed until years later. Yeah. Yeah, it was on the USA Network's DIC Productions and Bobo Entertainment produced it. Deke. 1994 to 1995. Uh, supposedly Gloop did some action figures that coincided with the cartoon as well. What do you mean supposedly? This is this is legend? You haven't seen photos or anything? <laughs> I, I think I saw some photos, but I uh, I don't remember those either. I, I don't know how this... Uh, <laughs> this completely just gone in my brain not even in my uh my rearview mirror hmm. galoop i believe also if i'm not mistaken made the those first wave of the big wwf action figures from the 80s was it Galoop? i think galoop the wcw action figures right you're right wasn't it ljn that did the wwf yes yes yeah, right. you're that's why you're you're a smart man so the comic book and they decided to uh Put it on the air. Went on USA Network. Couldn't have been that successful, though, because it only ran for uh, 13 uh, episodes. A Martha Moran was uh, developed the show. She uh, was a writer, wrote a handful of the episodes as well. Uh, and most of the uh, reviews I read that Wyatt makes the list, are, they seem, I don't know if you look into it, but they seem very generic. Like, they're like, they just say it's generic and there's nothing special about it and it doesn't stand out. Yeah, generic superheroes, Z-list superheroes and... Um, a lot of people saying that clearly it's a, a ripoff of you know the X Men cartoon. They're really just trying to replicate that success. Yeah, that's basically the biggest complaint. Where it just wants to be the X Men, which these are all valid reasons to be negative about it. But at the same time, it's like uh, if you look at a lot of the other war stuff, they they list really specific things of why they're bad. And this one, I don't know, it just seems like generic, and it's wants to be the X Men. Yeah, and I've seen some that that are are kind of positive about the show. I, I think a, a lot of it, like like I said, it's it's like because the characters aren't known. But I mean, you got to kind of start somewhere. You, you can't, they, they're not. You can't all be you know classic heroes from the fifties. You gotta you gotta create new stars and new characters and stuff like that. And I guess people just didn't really want to give them a chance. I did find when I was looking it up one one thing on it came up and it said. Ultra Force, the best superhero cartoon you've never heard of. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw that one too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some people out there that are uh, Ultra Force boosters. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't find too much behind the scenes stuff looking it up. Like, I could find some basic information where it aired and stuff, but I, I, I couldn't find a lot of detailed information on how this all came about and why it even ended. I, I don't, <laughs> in fact, I had a hard time just finding the voice actors who worked on this show. It's, it was kind of frustrating. I, I can imagine, especially the fact that it was kind of a, like, like we've said, like a blip on the, uh, the, <laughs> the blip in everyone's life. The, the, the cartoon was, you know, no one even really knew it was on at the time. Now, this is the only thing, because we're going to go over the, the voice acting and the creator credit, which maybe Joe Casada had a point, because it seems like every one of these characters, they list like five to six people that co-created the character. <laughs> Because you got Prime, who was basically their version of Shazam, Captain Marvel. And he's listed as Len Kaczynski, Norm Brayfogle, Brett Levine, and He Who Shall Not Be Named all get credit for creating the character of Prime. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, he's voiced by a Max Piercing. I could find barely anything on this guy whatsoever. He was in the movie The Ref. Oh, with uh, Dennis Leary? <laughs> yeah. And he was in Iron Eagle on the Attack. Is that a TV show, that Iron Eagle? Or is there like a made-for-TV, like part four that I'm unaware? Yeah, I think Iron Eagle is a TV show, right? With like Lou Gossett Jr. or something. <laughs> well, wasn't it? It was a, a movie with a couple of, I think, directed DVD sequels. And I think it might have had its own TV show. Yeah, that sounds about right. This Max character had a brief career in the 90s and i couldn't find anything past like 1999 on this guy 
And no real cartoon credits, huh? No, hardly anything. Uh, I couldn't really find out anything. So then you go to uh, Hard Case, who is like the main focus of the team. He was created by uh, James Hudnall and Jim Callahan. And uh, this one was really tough. Rod Wilson is credited as doing the voice. At first, everything I could find was that a major league baseball player named Rod Wilson kept coming up whenever I tried to find anything on this guy. Yeah. Finally, I found a voice credit. He he did the voice of Hank Pym on the Avengers United We Stand cartoon. Oh, okay. So he stayed in the uh, superhero family or the ultra hero family. Now, uh, after that, I, got, I, had a, I had a little bit more success finding some names. Uh, Ghoul, he, uh, again, here, here we go, created by the late, great Steve Gerber. Chris Ohm, Tom Mason, Dan Obrich, Dave Obrich, and R.R. <laughs> Fipes. Jesus Christ. All had a hand in creating this character of Ghoul. What? I mean, come on. Is it just like the, that's the entire team that put together like that comic book? Or what is, what? how does that happen? It used to be like, you know, Stan Lee came up with the idea and then Jack Kirby drew it and came up with character design. Somewhere along the way in comics, it'd be like, well, this guy came up with the name. This guy came up with a costume design. And then so everyone starts getting credit. <laughs> I, I just, I don't see how. The <laughs> what is it? Six different, six or seven different people. <laughs> now, uh, Peter Wildman. Uh, did his voice. Now, I found a lot in this guy. He did a lot of voice acting. He's actually on the Wildcats cartoon. Oh. Transformers Cybertron, he does voices on. Uh, Avengers United We Stand, he also does a voice. And uh, most prominently, he was the voice of Mojo on X-Men, the animated series. Mojo. So this guy does, sticks to voice acting. A lot of it's superhero stuff. There you go. Now we got a uh, prototype who's basically the ultra force version of Iron Man, David Amendman, Tom Mason, Len Straczynski all get credit for creating him. Reno Romano did the voice of prototype. Him, it was one of those deals where I found a lot of voice credit, but it was always always additional voices, you know, that uh, for, yeah. <laughs> they said he was someone on, yelling in the background. <laughs> yeah. A couple of the Batman <laughs> cartoons, the animated series and the Batman, but I couldn't really find anything specific. So this is, this is his, this is his uh, breakout performance. <laughs> yeah. This is a <laughs> prototype. I think I've heard that name, Rena Romano. I think I must've mentioned him on a previous show. Sounds like someone from NXT. <laughs> and, uh, then finally we have a uh, contrary, Marty Eisenberg and Robert Skier gets the creator credit. Uh, she's voiced by a Janet Lane Green. Uh, she's done uh, some voice acting. She was a uh, Void on Wildcats, so we'll probably be uh, at some point in the future be discussing her again. Mm-hmm. She voiced Wish Bear on a handful of the Care Bear cartoons. Now, this is my fair part. When I look her up, it says Janet Lane Green. Most famously known playing Iris Peters on She's the Mayor. She's the, uh, for a second I thought it was She's the Sheriff, which was the Suzanne Summers vehicle after Three's Company, but She's the Mayor. What's, what's She's the Mayor? <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me. I've <laughs> never heard of this show. She's the Mayor, huh? The TV show on in 2011. I think it was a Canadian production. Oh, okay. That, that probably explains it then. But it just made me laugh that uh, <laughs> it, that was like it said. That was like the first line. Most famously known for playing Iris Peters on She's the Mayor. <laughs> Maybe it's like, you know, how they remade How I Met Your Mother with How I Met Your Father. Maybe it's like a She's the Sheriff remake, but they changed <laughs> it to, to, to Mayor. It must be with, with Joyce DeWitt in the title of the role. <laughs> So we're going back to the episode prime time. Now here's another point of conjecture. I know depending on what site I went, they listed a different air date for this episode. Oh, okay. It was about 50, 50. A bunch of them said December 21st, 1994, but a bunch of others said October 22nd, 1995. Well, that's a big jump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At first I thought December 21st, it's Wikipedia. Anybody could adjust it. So maybe it wasn't right. So I went to a bunch of other sites and I started seeing October 22nd. 
But then I found, I dug deeper and I found back to December 24th. So but, uh, this is the first episode, right? So when do yeah. they say, when do they say, they say it was 1994 or 95? Well, most of the shows, even when they don't list exact dates, say 1995 and only one episode do they claim aired in 1994. So for the sake of argument, we're going to go back to 1995, the episode primetime. Martha Moran is the writer for this episode. She had also developed the series. Couldn't find a director credit mm. <laughs> anywhere. I, at this point, I was almost ready to throw in the towel because I was getting really annoyed <laughs> trying <laughs> to find details on this cartoon. Maybe there wasn't a director. I find that hard to believe, but... Well, we'll see the cartoon and see if it's hard to believe or not. Now, I found this on YouTube, but Tubi was the only streaming service I could find that still holds this cartoon. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I scanned Disney Plus for a while. It's not there. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to sit back and watch. We're going to see, Michael and myself, we're going to see, is Ultra Force truly one of the worst superhero cartoons ever made? We're going to find out. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ultra Force. Kevin seems like an ordinary kid, but get him mad, and he becomes Prime. The mightiest of all ultras. Join Prime and the rest of the Ultra Force as they battle the most dangerous ultra villains the world has ever known. Ultra Force, the ultimate hero. Sunday morning at 9 on Kids WB56. I'm the new mayor. And she's coming to Vision TV. She's 60, going on 30. Have dinner with me. Beautiful. You look radiant today. She's too hot to handle. City Hall will never be the same. Sit up straight. Spit out your gut. She's the mayor. Premieres Friday, March 4th at 8.30 p.m. on Vision TV. Prime reached out with his mighty Come inside the pages of the Ultra Force comic book. Where Prime and his ultra heroes battle on against Enemy and his evil forces. It's Prime time, Enemy. Fire! Sorry, Prime. Evil rules. Get him! Yeah, Prime's getting pounded. Not for long. Cool and nightmare will nuke you. Ultra cool! New Ultra Force action figures, each sold separately. New from Galoo. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. back michael and myself we just watched ultra force prime time ultra farce right am i right there matt <laughs> i'm trying to decide if i think that theme song is epic or just garbage i can't quite figure out which how i feel on this one yeah i mean and i'm the with the um x-men comparisons they they a lot of people say that the the opening of the show is like directly ripped off of X-Men with the, you know, you see the people and displaying their powers and the name comes on the screen. It's pretty similar to the uh, X-Men animated series. And they even just, they, the only lyric is them screaming ultra force. <laughs> yeah. I will say it does a good job of, uh, it, it introduces and highlights all the characters. So I'll give it that. Yes. That's, that's very kind of you to say. Now, we do open up with a hard case having a nightmare where they're all fighting the cleverly named character of Nenemy. Ooh, I, didn't, I didn't know that that was his name. Nen, I think it's spelled N-M-E. And he basically looks like uh, an alien crossed with uh, those robots from RoboCop. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he's like he had like a he would look like it just like a four armed robot with weapons for hands. It was just kind of yeah weird looking. You said that he was having a nightmare at the beginning of the show, but at the very beginning, like the the it comes up from black, and we start outside of a house, and we hear a man panting and grunting, and I thought like, what kind of cartoon is this? What are you cutting <laughs> me watching here, Spectro? 
<laughs> we find out he's having a nightmare, so a uh, crisis averted. But uh, yeah, that was. I'll get into this a little bit later, but just the the, the noises made <laughs> by the uh, voice actors in the show are a little uh, disconcerting. Now, one part that's stuck in my craw in this vision or dream, whatever it is. At one point, he's trapped under a, a, a like a tank. Yeah, and there's this black superhero, which I didn't catch his name, who kind of like saves the day by sacrificing himself, and that is never mentioned on the entire rest of the episode. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's it was a dream. It was a, either a dream or a flashback. I'm I'm trying to figure out which, but um, I mean the the character Nenemy, I guess is his name, comes back. Later, when he's waking, when he's awake, but uh, the, the, yeah, I, I I had a hard time kind of following that myself. Um, he does make reference later that he he's seen some of his friends die, mm. so I assuming that's what's going on. But that that character's never named and never directly mentioned for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I guess I mean when death happens, it's going to happen off camera with the uh, kids' cartoons. He's wakened by a phone call, which we find out he's a. Uh, I can't. Was he a stuntman or a leading man in Hollywood? Because it was like his agent on the phone. Yeah, it was something like yeah. He's he's a, a part time actor, I guess. Is, is this thing which which he he could be a model because the way he sleeps, it, it, he's he looks very uh very pretty. He he's like rec- not laying down. He's reclining in like it must be like a craftmatic or or some sort of uh chair. He wasn't. It was very odd the way he was sleeping like even if he he fell asleep in a chair let's say just say he fell asleep in a chair but why is he shirtless with a a sheet up pulled up to his waist like i'm (laughs) i don't know he it just looked odd for him uh to be sleeping in this kind of in-between position where he's kind of in bed but kind of not he turns on the tv and there is indeed then me fighting the military, so he's gonna he's gonna miss his uh his uh curtain call and well curtain call I don't know what you, <laughs> call time there you go he's gonna miss his call time and he's gonna actually go and face this menace head on. Uh, so he's he having a premonition in his sleep. What what he's just he was recalling something that happened before and but it's just kind of a coincidence that it's happening again or I don't I don't know. Uh, we get kind of a scene of a bunch of the 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 characters. Not a bunch, a couple of them seeing what's going on, where we get intro to them and they join the fight. We get the 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 kid secret identity of Prime, where he's like Shazam, except he doesn't say Shazam when a lightning ball hits. Like he gets covered with like green ooze that completely covers him, which turns him into Prime. It's kind of unpleasant to look at yeah i i I, yeah i wonder what the like what kind of animal he got bitten by to to become prime where he yeah he turns into like like some sort of like sludge monster like before he's like like the shit monster from uh from dogma and then all of a sudden he's this like big huge overly muscled superhero guy but yeah he's like this little pimply faced kid and who like it's massively disfigured to turn into this uh this guy prime his uh mom does not like the ultras uh she she's mad that kevin i think his name was kevin yes um snuck off and then but his dad is like don't worry about it and this kind of starts some tension so i'm not i don't i didn't read many of the prime comics cuz i have no idea if his dad knows he's the superhero or not it seemed like, yeah, it seemed like he was kind of like, he did, he said something at the end or he did something at the end of the scene, which uh, kind of, to me, revealed that he knew more than, than the wife did, than the mother did. Well, who says that, one of them said that he acts like he's on drugs. I have that written yeah, down. That was, that was the mother. He's like, uh, he could be on drugs or he acts like he's on drugs. And the, the dad's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh we get a scene of prototype where he gets a new suit where and in my research i guess he's not the first prototype there was a, a prototype before him so he's kind of like the second one. Oh wow so there's a a long and storied prototype history i guess like jim rhodes taking over for tony stark as iron man at one point yes uh, uh can we get into the animation 
because uh, this certainly reminds me of this because the the suit guy what's his name again Pro- prototype prototype yeah uh, conveniently the suit he has no mouth so they're probably very happy they didn't have to animate his mouth going forward in the show and, and th- just in general the animation of people walking was was very shoddy they, like at one point they show the robot from the dream who ends up being a real robot close up and he's like the way they show him walking with his swinging shoulders it looks really awkward the animation is, is not good at all at one point like when things are smoking during the dream sequence like the smoke doesn't consistently flow it like it it's like it, like it like it loops so it starts back up at the bottom again and comes up again and stops and starts up again and so it, yeah the animation is not uh it's not top snuff a lot of the movement seemed very clunky like almost like their shoulders were kind of moving but the rest of them right exactly kind of wasn't <laughs> in the fight i i believe uh prime says is his catchphrase of it's prime time Ugh. Prototype kind of saves them from Nenmi, uh, hard case and uh, Prime kind of saves them, and the dialogue is almost completely forgettable <laughs> across the board. Well, what were you talking about? Prototype calls them <laughs> two candy butts. <laughs> this, yeah, not only does he call them candy butts, but then his next line he says, "My name's Prototype. That's three syllables. Too much for you to remember, Muscle Man." He's just uh, throwing off these lines. I mean, how can you say these are forgettable? Come on. Unbelievable. This is the next Tony Stark. Then we get our first glimpse of the villain, Adelon, who basically kind of looks like famous Thanos because <laughs> he's giant and purple. But he's got long hair, yeah. <laughs> Bizarre design choices ever. He's got sleeves but no shirt. <laughs> Hate to do a local wrestling reference, but it's like a Vinnie Marcellia back in the day. It's like a reverse <laughs> muscle shirt. <laughs> well, he's got the, you know, he's got the big chest and the abs. You got to show that off. Maybe he's a little sensitive about his arms. Um, he leads this ambiguous underground race kind of which never gets explained or explored but yet it's not like mole men or they're like humans but they don't even like all look alike it's just kind of strange yeah i mean hopefully these things get explained in the other 12 episodes but i'm not gonna watch them and find out they uh get saved by a contrary ghoul and uh picks uh who picks is a female who basically has guy garner's bull haircut going on <laughs> uh, ghoul uh, she uh, doesn't like that he's staring and uh, he says it's hard to s- not to stare when you don't have eyelids yeah ghoul's um, design is slightly baffling he's supposed to be like yeah he's like a like a, a skeleton with wearing a trench coat yeah but his head isn't a skull it's like dark and like like nondescript and he's got these weird like bones across his nose and face it's like what why isn't it just a skull what why what are what are these they're like not even human bones it's like chicken bones they're not, they're too small to be really any human bone in the body perhaps maybe maybe a finger i don't know but it just i don't know the choice this the, the one of the six or seven people who came up with ghoul made a very strange choice when it came to the design and his voice like completely threw me off. I was expecting something more cryptic or eerie, and he's kind of goofy sounding. Yeah, he's he's apparently he's basically the comic relief. Contrary, who says that you know they have to get together to work together? I can't remember who said it, but someone said an ultra team together, an ultra force. Oh yeah, just it just it just happened that way. It's not. Anything that was planned, that just it just came together in the guy's head as he said it. Whichever guy it was, we don't know. <laughs> this is also weird. They take the ship to fight Adelon, and instead of like an escape hatch or a door opening, at one point Prime just punches through the side of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well, come on. You see the size of the guy? He's not going to fit through any normal door. He couldn't even turn sideways and get through. The guy is massive. 
because uh, they, they're going to, I believe they said Hawaii was going to get hit next because Adelon wanted to steal the nukes. And uh, we get a glimpse of Ghoul's power where he like, he grabs someone's dog tags and he kind of can use, like he gets a vision of what, the, it almost seemed like he was channeling someone who had died even though they hadn't come out and said it. Yeah, I think it was hard case. Yeah, he, he left behind dog tags and he was able to like kind of see his history by by holding them, basically. And uh, Adelon describes himself as the king of the fire people. So there you go. That's Those those people underground are the fire people. Maybe that's what happened to his shirt. It got caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and he has like gravity powers um, where he pretty much is just manhandling a prototype and prime like they aren't even there oh uh to be i think it was before they they meet up with adelon hard case and prime have a little uh back and forth spat yeah because like prime does not like to get even like the slice even like a slight small negative jab his way gets him very upset yes because basically he's he's a a teenager in in reality it's like it's like big basically or I guess it's basically Shazam. Shazam, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much just a ripoff of Shazam. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Hard Case is giving him a hard time, and like they they go back and forth, and at one point, Hard Case grabs Prime by the collar, but he doesn't have a collar. It looks like he. It looks like he. He's like got armor on it's like gold he's got like gold armor basically but somehow he finds a way to 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 ball it up in his in his hand and grab it. it it looks completely unnatural um you find out in a conversation on the adelon it seems like there's dissension in the ranks of the fire people some of them said the the surface dwellers haven't done anything to them but adelon is hellbent he's gonna he's gonna take care of business oh yeah Hardcase does end up saving Prototype and uh, Prime from getting their ass kicked by Adelon. <laughs> this line was just awful where he says, I hate this. Losing friends stinks. <laughs> Losing friends, man. It stinks. And he punches a rock. Yeah. Bad. Just... <laughs> this fight, too, is, is, is where... Um, the the grunting thing really like hit home for me. Just <laughs> someone fell, they grunted. They jump, they grunted. They like stuff falling on them, grunt, grunt, grunt. People moving, grunt. Uh, just everything was like uh, 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 like like half of the um, voice acting in this show was just grunting. Um, we found out that yeah, there. <laughs> Voice, we're going to get more to at our review at the end, but I was not that dialogue or the voice work itself. Not much was really impressing me on this. No, there's a reason why you didn't find a lot of uh, credits for some of these people. And not to mention, I mean, these these aren't the X-Men. Like, I, I think they needed to take a slower approach. They kind of throw everybody in there, like assuming you know who these people are. And like, contrary picks, ghoul, they hardly do anything. <laughs> Even hard case, you don't really find his deal that much. No, yeah, yeah. Pix was just sitting on a computer for like two seconds, and yeah, the con- contrary was just kind of appearing and disappearing into the frame. But yeah, uh, I, I, like I said, maybe they get more into this in the upcoming episodes. But a lot is, uh, you know, you're kept in the dark for a lot of this episode. And then the the final big cliffhanger of the episode is. Uh, Adelon has stolen the nukes and he is going to take back the surface and annihilate the humans with their own nukes. And that's pretty much the big cliffhanger of our episode of primetime ultra force. So the stakes are pretty high right out of the gate. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's world domination. Haven't heard this before. And I I wrote something else. (laughs) After that, going to annihilate with nukes, but I'd be damned if I could read my own handwriting. So, did anything? <laughs> did something else happen after the, he uh, was going to annihilate the world with nuclear bombs? I don't think so. I think that was it. And there you have it. <laughs> Ultra Force, 
prime time. Obviously, we didn't get super detailed on it, but to be honest, I don't think there was a lot of detail. This was, uh, I don't think a lot of thought was put into this. No, it's, yeah, a lot of, a lot of broad strokes, a lot of uh, stuff that you're kind of forced to try to f- figure out in your head. In the next few minutes, we're going to try to do that and fail. Kind of like quick intro, bring them in, quick intro, bring them in, quick intro, bring them in. They don't like each other. There's just other people that are getting him in <laughs> and big generic robot enemy plus big purple guy going to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least like with even like say the, the first episode of the Justice League cartoon where you don't, let's just say you can't, everybody knows the Justice League so you can get away with it more, but still they took three parts to build their story up. They didn't just jump right into all of it. And they did intros of some of the characters and like the X-Men, like, you know, Wolverine, you know, Storm, you know, these characters. I don't think a cartoon that nobody knows who they are can really get away with this. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just knew like we got, they gave us 13 episodes, so we got to hit the ground running with this thing. We got to find a way to speed through a, a story. And yeah, they kind of yada yada a lot of stuff. They probably should have spelled out a little more. I'd say rushed would be the, the to the, be the thing that comes to my head the most. Like animation, like you had brought up, not top notch. Dialogue when there was any was was dreadful, mm-hmm. <laughs> and even the voice acting I just thought was just <laughs> a little wooden and hollow. Yes, wooden prime I thought was really annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ghoul was just goofy. Contrary was like a female Professor X who just did less. There's like tension with prototype and prime right off the bat for no reason. Uh, he he did provide that three syllable line <laughs> and what was it candy butts? Yes, yeah. There are a couple of candy butts. Well, we're gonna do a ranking, <laughs> but we're gonna do more. First, let's just start with the basic ranking. Our spectrometer. the show spectrometer we rank what we saw zero spectres being awful four being perfection mike what do you think about ultra force prime time oh man zero to four um it's hard because you're starting something from zero you know what i mean you don't have the years and years of history to kind of uh to lean on when it comes to a show like this that's coming out of the gate with like i said basically no history behind it um so they have a lot to try to accomplish in a first episode and they really don't accomplish too much of that they try to set up the everything um in you know 21 22 minutes and it's kind of hard to follow um like I, like you said the animation is pretty rushed like what the animation of people walking is is pretty terrible they just it's completely unnatural um voice acting is not great um just people sitting in a booth going ooh ah uh, ee ah uh, ooh 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 for a half hour um and yeah the story is a little simple it's world domination but there's a lot a lot going on for something so simple and a lot of a lot of parts that are moving around and none of them have any um you know they're all kind of not defined they're undefined they're just you have no really grasp on any piece of it and so it's just kind of all in this one big massive stew that doesn't really make much sense so i mean i don't i want to give them a little credit because they're trying to start something from zero so i'll give it a 0.75 i can't give it a one (laughs) well i want to put a disclosure before i give my ranking that i didn't read much of the malibu comics so maybe this would mean more and be more enjoyable to someone who is a big fan. Having said that, I'm I'm going to give it just a one. Not irredeemable, but 
all the points you said were very valid. The animation just sloppy. The most the, my two biggest things generic, and it just felt like no inspiration. Like they just saw other cartoons and other superheroes and just tried to do a quick cash grab and crank it out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a one. Yeah, so we're basically on the same wavelength with it. It's uh, you think about something. Um, you know, a, a property that has no real um, uh, mainstream recognition, like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, something that when that came out, no one beyond the hardcore comic fan knew of the Guardians of the Galaxy, but somehow they were able to make it work. I mean, they had a little more time. Yeah, you get a movie length, of two hours, but still, they were able to find a way to... Uh, flesh out something that everyone could understand and everyone enjoyed and it was like a breakout hit but this just they couldn't get their footing there was just nothing that uh, I don't know at the same time it it was complicated and simple all at the same time Uh, just uh, like you said generic heroes nothing to grab onto there was nothing special about them and it was just kind of blah guardians is a good thing to bring up i think because what guardians works is they were five like very distinct separate personalities and maybe with the exception of ghoul i don't feel any of these characters had anything that made them feel all that unique yeah there was nothing that stood out at all about any of them like you said ghoul just because he's got weird chicken bones on his face but Besides that. But is it fair to rank it as one of the worst superhero cartoons ever made? Yeah, that's what that's why I, I, I toiled a little bit just because like I said, there's they're trying to start something from scratch and that's admirable. I mean, uh, but at the same point, like you said, also it's kind of they're trying to rush something out there to capitalize on the success of other um uh, superhero team properties. So it's really hard to say if it, if it's it's fair and unfair at the same time. How's that for just riding the line and sitting on the fence? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's vintage Michael Crockett. Not, <laughs> not. <laughs> well, of the four we've watched, I probably enjoyed this the least, even though I can't say it's not a better cartoon than that Captain America from the 60s or Fred and Barney meet the thing. But I don't know, those had more of a charm to them <laughs> than this did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can always, um, you know, you got a little soft spot for the characters you grew up reading. So there's no attachment whatsoever to this material. So that's kind of what hurts it. But what did you all think out there? Are we too hard on it? Were we not hard enough? What did you think of Ultra Force? You can go to my social media and let me know. Find me at Twitter at Matt Spectro. Give me a follow while you're there. And you can find me at Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Follow me there. You can even find me at Hive if you're so inclined. I, I do still check that account from time to time. Do you? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hustle and bustle going on in Hive, let me tell you. <laughs> well, Michael, uh, I want to thank you for once again gracing us with your presence. I'm happy to be here, buddy. You can tell the people, I don't, I don't, I'm not torturing you. you. You enjoy watching cartoons that are <laughs> considered terrible. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Am I, am I uh, sounding a little down, downtrodden? <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, sub- <laughs> I'm submitting you to badness on purpose. And no, I was, not, I was not forced. This is actually my, my idea to watch bad cartoons with you. So, yes. But uh, come to our free plug time of the show. The floor is yours, Michael. Plug away. Well, um, I mean, there must be some sort of wrestling crossover audience for your podcast. So I do these videos five days a week, New England wrestling history. If you're into wrestling history, if you're into New England, if you're into New England pro wrestling history combined, then you can find me at the WPAN on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on threads. I'm not on Hive, but I'm on threads. All right. So I'm on 
I'm on a uh, third world social media site as well, Tarzan, just not the same one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, if I do a different uh, take, a different, uh, you know, we look at this day in, in wrestling history, and I try to make it entertaining and fun, and you know, you don't have to be a, a huge history buff to enjoy it, I think. So check that out, and uh, if you want to have your podcast edited, if you get an idea for a podcast and you want someone to help you... Uh, flesh it out and make it reality you can uh, let me know you can go to crackpotpods.com and uh connect with me there perfect and uh we will uh be seeing you again for another worst of episode i'm sure or you know we got the christmas is coming you never know we are going to be doing we've been building and talking about it for years the 70s fantastic four cartoon which is universally almost number one on every list of the worst of the worst yeah, that's that's we've been building that one up for a long time. When we finally hit that one, that's that's going to be the new number one. Watch out, Keithy. But the good news is, I finally found that on. It's very difficult to find. I finally found a VHS copy. So <laughs> when Michael and myself are, are together, we're going to fire up the VCR. We're going to watch that and do our episode. Your flea market uh, tour finally paid off. <laughs> yeah. I, I found a videotape with one episode. Wow. But it is on there, so but cost me a dollar fifty at a flea market. Holy Toledo. Well I get a VCR and, and I can digitize it if need be. <laughs> All right, that'll that'll make things happen. And I want to thank everyone for joining us again. If you have any ideas for episodes, if you'd like to appear on the show, uh, you're a comic or cartoon fan, like to talk, sit down with us, hit me up on social media and uh follow me. I definitely like to hear from you. Any any thoughts, any opinions, whether they're negative or not. I like getting feedback. Also, if you could uh, give my podcast a uh, five-star rating, I appreciate it. Share it and uh, subscribe. I appreciate that as well. Let's once again thank our boy Michael for joining us. Thank you all for joining us and tune in again next time for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro for the Multiverse, everybody. See you.